Hello and welcome to the Stories About Autism podcast. My name is James, I'm your host and I'm a dad of two boys, Tommy and Jude, who are both autistic. Each week on the podcast I get to speak with parents of autistic children, autistic adults and professionals who work in the autism community too and give them a chance to tell their own story about autism. This week I'm joined by Stephanie Vavron. Steph is a mum of two from Aberdeen in Scotland and her youngest son, Max, is autistic. I've been following Steph on TikTok after seeing one of her viral videos about the packed lunches she makes for Max. He's definitely a much better eater than Jude or Tommy were at that age. We have a really honest and open conversation about parenting and Steph's own mental health. We talk about the early days, what the signs were that led to Max's diagnosis and what Steph knew about autism back then. We talk about what autism means for Max, how it impacts his communication skills, his different sensory needs and the real lack of sleep. We also discuss some of the harder moments of meltdowns and self-injurious behaviours. Earlier this summer, I was involved in a protest for SEND reform in London, fighting for better school services and provision for our kids. On the same day, Steph was doing exactly the same in Scotland. We talk about the school system and the stories we hear from other parents whose children are unable to access school. Steph is a single parent just like me, so we discuss co-parenting, how she's managed to make it work for her family, and how TikTok has given her a career where she can work around being a busy mum and still be able to meet Max's needs. I loved getting to know more about Steph and her story about autism, and I'm sure you will too. Let's get started. Here's my chat with Steph. Okay, Steph, hello. Thanks for joining me. No problem. It's a pleasure. Yeah, it's lovely to get to talk to you. And for all the community out there, do you want to give us give them a little introduction to you and your family? Well, we've got me, who I've got I've just recently been diagnosed with ADHD. Um which has been a long time coming, let me tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've got my little boy, Max. So he has got cerebral palsy and autism. Um, he potentially could have ADHD as well. The, the nurse there kind of thinking that it maybe be ADHD as well, possibly. And mm-hmm. then we've got my teenage daughter. She is 14. And she has also got a whole different load of things going on as well. But she doesn't yeah. like me talking about it. So that's a bit private. Sure. And for anyone who isn't sure about the accent, Steph is from Scotland. Uh, for anyone, especially the Americans yeah. out there who might be listening, whereabouts in Scotland are you? I'm from Aberdeen. Aberdeen. So it's like okay. right up at the top. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Cool. So let's let's go back to the beginning with, you mentioned Max uh, has cerebral palsy and is autistic. Take, take us back to the early yeah. days when you first started, I guess, exploring those diagnoses. Yeah. So the the start was Max, like it was so strange because Max had um, meningitis when he was five weeks old. Wow. So <clears throat> he was resuscitated and he was on a life support machine for two weeks. Gosh. So that is why he has cerebral palsy. Yeah. Oh, wow. So he has cerebral palsy because of the lack of oxygen to his brain. Um to be obviously because he was being resuscitated so and he wasn't coping very well and they basically told us that he wasn't going to survive so that was quite scary and then he developed he was getting very closely monitored he was premature as well and then he developed completely fine like you know health as it are he was all his checks he was rolling over he was 
he was doing all the same things as like a baby would normally typically do. He was saying his first yeah. words. He was walking really early, but his sleep was horrendous. And when I mean Max's sleep was horrendous, you know, that mums that are like, oh, you know, once his teeth come in, he'll start sleeping. Once he's on solid foods, he'll start sleeping. Once he's this, <laughs> he'll start sleeping. And he just, and it was like every week or month, my family would be like saying, oh, you know, we'll, we'll start sleeping soon when this happens or when this happens or once he starts walking and he can burn off the energy. And and he just never slept and he would be like two hours sleep at night. And I just was like, this is not like, this is not a normal sleep pattern. And then I was yeah. exhausted. And then he just started to, I think it was around about 18, 17, 18 months. He was saying words. He was totally developed typically. And then he just woke up one day and just everything went really wow it was it was the most bizarre thing i've ever experienced in my life it was like a whole different child he did yeah. not make eye contact with me whatsoever he didn't answer to his name and he was answering to his name so he mm. was always like if i said max he was always answering to his name turning his head and then all of a sudden it was just like everything had gone so no speech no, he couldn't say mum anymore or dad or clap his hands or it just went, all his development just went back to like very basic. Yeah. And I just, I, I knew instantly, I knew instantly and I kept on saying to my husband at the time, I was like, something's going on, like something's mm. going on. And then I just was frantic. And I just remember being so frantic that it took over my life and I just googled and I know you shouldn't do that but I just googled and googled and googled and googled and googled and googled everything all this what what was going on and then it kept on coming on like autism 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 kept on coming up up, up regression and delayed re, um development and the global development and then I just thought you know what I need to research this if I need to know my son and it was in lockdown so right. there was no help no support, yeah, of course. no to talk to. Hmm. Like the health visitors weren't even coming in to do your checks. They were doing it over like this kind of like Zoom call type thing. And I was just like, I just felt zero support, z lack of anything. Nobody was listening to me. Um, my family members were all saying, you know, like he's he was premature. He had such a hard time at the start. Like he'll, he's just had like, you know, the, but inside my mother instinct was just like, nah. So I just sat for hours. And when I mean I obsessed, I sat for hours at each night, researching, researching. I read, is it Temple Grandin, like her book? Yeah. I just yeah. went into this whole, like, autism research frenzy. <laughs> and I just knew. And I sat down and I burst into tears. And I said to my husband, he came home from work, and I said, I think Max has got autism. And he was like, what are you talking about? And, you know, he was just like, you're, you're, being dramatic and you're being this mm. like you're being this lockdown mum that's making things like up in your head and I was like no I was like it all fits and yeah. then the health visitor came around for his 18 month check and he failed all, all aspects of the check and I was just like I told you and then she just said okay we'll do an uh, autism referral check um, so she did and then he scored so high on it and she was like I'll put you forward to the neurologist because he was taking like you know you'll I don't know if your sons do it but like not absent seizures but like they just shut down like yeah. processing like just yeah so he was doing this a lot especially if we were out at the park and stuff he would just go in a daze and you literally couldn't like he was just mm. gone so they thought it was maybe epilepsy as well so 
they just put him to the neurologist and that's when we found out he had cerebral palsy and they were like right, his legs okay. stiff and this and that and then they were like he's definitely got autism and hmm. he was doing this whole routines and running back and forth and then the doctor and just like touching the chair and then running back and then touching my leg and then touching the chair and then touching my leg and doing all these routines and the neurologist said to me I will be very, very, very surprised. And he was only, must have been by this point, 20 months old. And he said to us, I'll be very surprised if Max doesn't have autism. Like he's mm. showing a lot of signs, not just one or two little like, you know, very stimmy, jumping around, flapping his hands, like really overstimulated all the time. So and no sense of danger as well. Like, I remember, like, you know, always having to just... I just always had anxiousness around him when he was a baby, and I was never like that with Lily. He just didn't have any sense. I felt like I really had to make sure continuously that he was safe, because he just, like, fires, hot, everything. I couldn't even have a vase anywhere, because he would just... It was just... And it just didn't, to me, feel natural what was going on in our home it was just mm. I, I can't describe it it just didn't feel how I was expecting to feel as a mum how things were going I was like something's something's just feeling different like it just yeah. didn't feel I don't know what you just and I, I re just really researched and researched and researched and then we got the diagnosis um so he got his diagnosis really early I think he was like just just three months after his second birthday and he got his diagnosis. Mm. So it was really early. He was showing extreme, like, you know, autistic traits. It's not like people always ask me, how did you manage to get a diagnosis so early? And I'm like, every child with autism is different and presents differently. It was very, very clear from the start. You just needed to be in a room of Max for five minutes and you could, yeah. you know what I mean? It's just... It was very quick diagnosis for him. So I was happy that we got the diagnosis quite early because then you do then think, right, you're going to get all this help and all this support and all this. And then you're kind of just like left <laughs> to just, yeah. well, I was anyway. It's my experience to kind of just think... figure it out on your own and you get a few leaflets yeah. and, and that's it. Hmm. I think... I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. And I think a lot of what you said is going to resonate with so many uh, parents, especially, you know, what I went through was, was many years ago when things were, you know, shorter waiting lists. And, uh, you know, so I can't imagine going through all that during lockdown, especially where, like you said, there's no one to, to try and reach out to. But it sounds like you managed to progress things quite quickly, even though, uh, you know, even even though the support wasn't there initially, it sounds like you know whatever you did, you managed to get get the diagnosis quite quickly. Which, which yeah, I Jude and Tommy were both diagnosed around two years old, and yeah, people ask me, and I think yeah, it's because it was it was so obvious. It was you know not that I knew anything about autism or knew why, but when the professionals saw them, that yeah, it was very obvious, and. Yeah, I, so you had a lot to deal with in like a very short space of time, especially with you know cerebral palsy and autism as well. So, how did you how did you feel? Like I know you said you you know you're happy that you got the diagnosis as quickly as you did, but it must have been a lot to take in. It was one of these things that people ask me this all the time, and I'm like, right, we went through an absolute 
horrific time with Max when he was obviously first born and then he had the mm. meningitis. And I remember thinking, I just want him to live. Like, yeah. I just wanted him to live. The doctors thought he would, could potentially, we were told he would, he could potentially lose limbs. He would be blind. Um, he would be maybe like, you know, severely impaired. It would just, I was so mentally impaired. It was just, there was so much that, at that point in my life, I genuinely didn't think he was even going to survive. And then when he survived, I just, I just went into that whole mum mode of like, you know, I'm just so grateful for him to be here. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, he developed perfectly. So that was like, oh my God, he's got out of the woods here and like, everything's absolutely fine. And he's, and then it was like, boom. And it was like a kick to the stomach. And it was just like, oh my god like I'd thought that I had this like child that had just been like a miracle you know what I mean and managed to dodge every single thing um and then it was just like I remember when I was doing the research about it I knew I knew in my heart it's so weird I knew in my heart when I was reading about autism I knew I was like that's my son like that's my son but I didn't feel like I connected with him I didn't understand him because I was like I don't understand autism yet like I didn't as ignorant as it sounds but the world doesn't get educated on autism so it's not that I didn't understand him in that level I just I just didn't understand what autism was but I wanted so badly to know about him I just wanted to connect with him I wanted to be in his world and I just thought I need to research as much as I can to get in there and to to understand my son so that part of it the more I researched the more I'd kind of already accepted it by the time the diagnosis had kind of came I'd Mm. already you almost want it so badly that you're just like I know this is what it is so I need to fight for it and then you fight for it but I remember the day that we because it was still lockdown we got a um, a phone call um once all the paperworks are all in and they have their meeting and stuff and we got a phone call to say and we were at like the sea life center and we were having one of the most horrific days with max he was meltdown central wasn't happy we're trying to have this family day and he was just like not loving life we thought he was going to be amazing in this sea life center and he just wasn't and the doctor phoned and said um the consultant had said, you know, we've we've diagnosed Max with autism. And it was so weird because I got so emotional in that moment, like hearing the words, your yeah. son has autism. Like, it was just so weird because it was such a, it was a relief that I'd fought for it and to to get, to get the, the diagnosis. But then it became this massive fear. It was like a big, massive mm. cloud of what's his life going to be? What's... Mm. What's my life going to be? Is he going to go to like a mainstream school? Is he going to be able to be on a football team? Is he going to, because at this point, Max was only two. So I'm then thinking, I I didn't know anything about what his future was going to be like. And he'd stop talking. And, you know, am I going to have to learn sign language? And the worry and the anxiety of that diagnosis changed from wanting the diagnosis and fighting for it to, doom almost and thinking Mm. the most negative thoughts so I then genuinely then ended up actually like extremely depressed um worrying I suffered from anxiety anyway but I then ended up having to go on um antidepressants and anxiety tablets and I was over exercising at that point to kind of take my mind off things and try and cope with things and it just wasn't the the feeling I thought it was going to be very instantly changed to 
a doom feeling that's the only way i can feel it like oh my god like i wanted him to be diagnosed and then then it flipped into the whole worry and it was just that like a post-it note of all these worries that then came along with the diagnosis do you know what i mean it was like yeah worrying about schooling worrying about his life when he's older worrying about it just it just brought a whole different worry into things and then it was like a grieving process as well because I then thought I was going to be this you know football mum at the side of the pitch I've got a daughter so I really wanted to be that mum you know that was like let's go football training let's get out for a 5k run in the morning together let's do this let's do that and the the realization that that wasn't the type of mum I was ever going to be do you know what mm. I mean? I was never going to be the mum, the Pinterest mum, sitting at a, t- a desk doing art and crafts and, you know, this mum that you see that's like this perfect mum. And I mean, I am the perfect mum to Max for what he needs, but social media is quite damaging as a parent. Do you know what I mean? When you see all these amazing mums and dads that are doing all these amazing mums and dads, communication is one of the things, you know what I mean? And they sit and they're like, how are you today? How are you feeling? And, you know, like they're this amazing mum that wants to be the best mum that they can be. And I I was wanting to be that mum. And then it was kind of not taken away from me, but then I had to learn to be a different mum. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And the, the best mum that Max could ever need is the mum that I've become, mm. but it's not the mum that I thought I was going to be. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's like, it's a whole different, that process, the feelings are so raw and you go through a roller coaster of up and down, up and down and up and down. And then mm. it's just, and then you get to the acceptance and the, right, this is my life. This is where we are. Let's, let's be in his world. Do you know what I mean? And let's, let's change our whole lives and everybody around it. And then once you get to that acceptance of, no, this is who he is and everyone else is just going to have to bloody get used to it and these are all going to have to be in his world whether you like it or no. That point was the 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 release for me because I then had all the other tabs that were still open about his future and stuff. I thought, I don't care about that anymore. Like, I don't care about that. Like, I still do worry about it, but I've accepted it and I think acceptance is such a big thing with parents with autistic children mm. like the acceptance of going to a specialized school or the acceptance that they can't do certain things or they even don't want to do you know what i mean mm. or it's not their thing they don't want to do that they don't want to be out and socialize with loads of people at a kids party and we're sitting as parents crying being like oh my god why do they not want to be at the kids party with all <laughs> other kids doing all these kids things you know what i mean but they're happy yeah. max would be happy bloody at home you know with animals lining them up and you've got to kind of then get into the acceptance of that is what your child needs and wants and you need to be the best parent for that child not the best parent that you think that you're going like you're going to be do you know what I mean yeah and I think that's a journey that you know so many of us go on and because we like you said you have expectations as a parent you you know especially for a mum even more so you go through the whole pregnancy and you just imagine what life is going to be like and some of the things that you'll be doing as a family and the type of mum you're going to be and and I've thought about this a lot because I remember that time quite well like those those early years of of all those feelings and you mentioned the fear there the fear of of the future and I think typically with a two-year-old you're dreaming about the future you're dreaming about all the things that they're going to do and the schools they're going to go to and the 
work they're going to you know all all the different phases of life and suddenly that is uncertain right you you suddenly get this you go through the autism diagnosis and now suddenly you are thinking about will they ever talk will they make a friend what sort of school will they go to uh will they be able to look up you know will they be able to be independent when they're older things that you don't think yeah. about so I, I think it's quite natural that you know whether we describe it as a grieving process or you know depression or, or all the different things that come up f- through it i think it's it's quite natural and 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 something that many many parents go through but it sounds like yeah you know, max is i think you said he's four now yeah was yeah, max four? yeah. Four. so you've already got to that place of acceptance which which is great so it's, Talk to us a little bit about what autism means for Max. Uh, I know you mentioned sleep is horrendous. Has that got any better? So because Max has got cerebral palsy, so Max is like, that's how I started my TikTok journey because Max literally did not sleep. And I would be, my neighbours would literally be like, what is going on with that woman, with that new baby? Mm. Like, or that new little boy when he was like one and a half, that was when he was a horrendous sleeper. And I would be out in the buggy. So, like, obviously, my ex-husband was going to work the next day, so I didn't want to disturb him. And Lily had, obviously, her school. So I was mm. like, oh, my God, like, I, I need to get this little boy out of the house so that he doesn't disturb everyone else because he would be so vocally stimming, so loud. I'd be like, right, I need to get him in the buggy. So I would take him in the buggy, and I would literally be pitch black, and I'd be out, like, walking. And I used to plan, like, to walk to it. And see, when I, I was telling this story the other day on my live, and I used to walk to the garage, which is like a 20-minute walk from my house mm. because they none of the Starbucks or Costas was open, but they had a, <laughs> a Costa, like, in the garage, like, machine that you could just yeah. go in and, and buy a coffee. So I used to walk along to... Um, the the garage on the land tracks and I used to buy myself a coffee and then drink it and walk back and he would be wide awake birds cheeping like three in the morning and I would just be like what is life like well, surely like surely this is not what you surely you want to sleep um but he sleep obviously really affects Max also mm. obviously his communication he is getting better he's starting to use visuals and stuff now which is amazing okay. and it is really really helping um but autism affects his everyday life from the minute he wakes up his sleep is better because of his cerebral palsy medication mm-hmm. so because he's got um really tight muscles he gets a muscle relaxant four times a day so it does it's it since i mean the only thing he sleeps he's still up at like four or five in the morning but he sleeps like a solid like seven hours now yeah which is a relief, but it's only because of his baclofen. Yeah, like, that's yeah. the only thing that's changed, and he gets it four times a day. So I'm presuming that we all think, the doctors think, that the reason that Max is sleeping better is just out of fluke that he has his baclofen for cerebral palsy because it does make him just relax a little bit. Hmm. Um, but we tried the whole melatonin, we tried everything, absolutely nothing worked for him. Like, he was just, like, I mean, no, he just didn't sleep. But the eating as well, like, he's always been a great eater. And this is really difficult when I go on my social media and people ask about Max's eating. Um, he's always been an absolutely fantastic eater with, the, like, his varied diet is absolutely incredible. But give him a chicken nugget, right, or a happy meal or anything like that, he will not eat it. Really? Like, no. he's, like he's the opposite. So, yes. So, Max is so funny. Like, the beige diet for Max is a no-no. So give him like calamari and king prawns and 
all this bloody fancy food wow. and he's loving his life salmon like mm. he is so funny he loves like spicy food so give him a curry he's in his absolute element i mean don't get me wrong he loves chocolate and stuff like that but that's why he struggles it's like i put his packed lunch in for his nursery because he really struggles with bland food like fish mm. fingers chips and beans for max would be like no like <laughs> that's just not for me he's, he's yeah. funny honestly he's so funny so like on a day where i'm like you know i would bloody love to just open my oven chuck the chicken nuggets in and be like oh and he's like no i want like homemade spaghetti bolognese or something mom do you know what i mean like he's he's a really really good eater um but textures is his thing so right. like he's never ate a mashed potato in his life and he will not eat mashed potatoes and if you put it in his mouth he will literally it's that max loves like crunchy texture textures and like but give him that texture of a mashed potato or a yogurt or anything like that and mm. he's just like no like it's just a no but he is a really good eater um so effects wise like as well he's going through just now <sighs> he headbangs i don't know if you're too headbanged a lot but max is so um what's the word i'm you looking for doesn't self harm well he does self-harm because I always say it's like self-harm. He bites himself, he hits his own face a lot and bangs yeah. his head on really hard surfaces over and over again. And this is becoming such a worry for me. Um because he can't it's not even when he's angry. So it's not like his emotions are taking him. It's even he's do he does it when he's happy. Like he's mm. just all his emotions when he's extremely happy or it's extremely sad or he's scare every emotion he just chooses to do this and it's like it's really getting to the point where i'm worried because it's really hard surfaces that he's seeking out and he's really head banging you mm. know and that's one of my worries just now is the the head banging the self-harm the biting so himself, Tommy, the Tommy did himself that and... for a bit when the head banging when he was probably a lot younger maybe about two um he went through a phase of that yeah. like you know, we had a wooden floor and it'd be banging the floor. Um, or he'd lay yeah. down back and you know, bang the back of his head off it. And yeah, it just seemed to go. Like, I, it, it just changed yeah. one day. There wasn't really any, you know, we'd try and, obviously if he was doing it, protect him and, and help him. And But it just seemed to, to develop. Um, Jude had a lot of sort of self-injurious behaviours, but never never had head banging and it's the it, it's the worst thing isn't it I, I think it's the most heartbreaking thing oh. to to see your kids do something like that to themselves and it's really hard to understand and then you do start to understand it why they're doing it and why they're seeking you know that's their way of uh releasing i guess what what's going on inside but it, it just yeah it's probably the worst period i had as a as a parent Ah, that's probably it's probably the worst thing just now that I'm going through and it's hard to talk mm. about it on social media because yeah you then get you know the people that are like you know, they just don't understand autism and they don't mm. understand it so it's really difficult for me to talk about it to people that don't have children that have got autism or anything like that because Max is self-harming just now and head banging has gotten so bad that you know it is upsetting it's one of the most heartbreaking things to watch your son banging his head 
so hard. I mean, Max has sometimes got like a little purple, like round bruise on his forehead because yeah. he's root and does it at nursery on windows. Windows are his favorite thing to do. So my patio doors at the back garden, like he literally just runs at them and just bangs his head like over and over again. And I'm just like, so I get so upset because I'm just like, oh my God, like, please stop hurting yourself. But, you know, he's... <sighs> He's going to, when I speak to the pediatricians and stuff, they always like say, Steph, you know, he's going to grow out of it. It's a stage. It's a, like, mm. don't panic too much. Like, but in the back of your mind, as a mum, you're just sitting thinking, yeah, that's okay for you to say. But they were going to give him, um, like, a specialised, you know, like, helmet and stuff from yeah. um, the hospital. But he won't wear that. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, you know what they're like. Max hates anything on his head. Hates people touching his hair or his ears and stuff. I'm like, he's not going to keep on a, a foam helmet. 24 7 like it's just mm. not gonna happen so you know it was really really difficult so we've just kind of got to monitor him he's got to have people around him all the time like you literally cannot leave him in a room in yeah. a separate room and i don't think people realize that with max as well as like i literally cannot leave max in a room on his own like ever like mm. absolutely never because he's got no sense of danger he's obsessed with water so like we've got three bathrooms in the house they need to be locked from the outside at all times because he'll just go in turn on the taps get in the sink like fully clothed like it's <laughs> just there. like been there. <laughs> oh, oh, honestly james nursery i remember max's first ever ever day at a private nursery and bless them they're they're such a good nursery in Aberdeen right and they're like very high like numbers on their um reports and stuff and they're amazing so I had no qualms when I went back to work about trying to put him in there and I think it was like two hours they said take him in for two hours and we'll just let him see the room and stuff like that and I said oh do you need a change of clothes and stuff they're like oh he's only be here for two hours he won't need a change of clothes like it's just a quick like stay and play type thing like two hours mm. you won't need a change of clothes i was like okay so i dropped him off came back he was in completely not really different clothes and i'm like oh no what's happened and they were like well we didn't realize that obviously in the um nursery room there was like sinks and literally within five minutes of being in the room he had climbed took a table pushed the table over to the sink Brilliant. got on the table <laughs> got in the sink switched on the taps and the nursery teachers just turned around and he was sitting in the middle of the nursery in a sink with taps on like <laughs> ugh, they, they were just like okay like we get what this is going to be like now so like anybody's houses we go to like if we're in a bathroom outside he's getting a little bit better with the water he is growing out of it you know he is but there was a time where you know, a puddle, a tiny little puddle on the, the bloody floor and you'd be trying to get in it, you know, as we're leaving the house. And I'm like, no, I've just put you in your clothes. Yeah. Don't, don't get in the water. And like, we went to feed the ducks one day with my best friend and where I live, I've got like a nature reserve and there's like a duck pond and he loves, we've taken him there since he was a baby. And they changed like the um, little platform that you can go on to feed the ducks. And me and my friend go down with our little girl and we were all standing there and Max usually just stands at the front and like, picks the bread and then puts it in the water he absolutely loves it watches all the ducks coming up and then a split second i honestly cannot believe my friend lauren was standing next to me with her little girl and honestly within max was standing in between her and her little girl he was in the feckin duck pond in the water fully submerged right up to here just jumped right in and 
I obviously grabbed his hand and I'm like killing myself laughing. Lauren's killing herself laughing because she knows exactly what Max is like. Her little girl was in a panic being like, oh my God, because she's like only four. <laughs> and, and she was in a panic because Max was in a duck pond. And I was just like, but Max's face, like he, his eyes go like when he's mischievous. Like he just like looked at me as if to be like, you took your eyes off me for two seconds, yeah. two seconds, mum. And, and, and I've managed to get past you and Lauren and I'm in the duck pond. So my walk like back to the house is like a 10 minute walk. So I had to literally strip him off, empty his wellies out, put his wellies back on him, get him on my shoulders and carry him back home. And he was just like, big smile, like, <laughs> <laughs> I've just ruined your day. Yeah. You, you sound like you're describing uh, a four-year-old Tommy. I'm sure him and Max would uh, would get on really well. They um, they sound like they have a lot in common with their mischievousness and their desire for water as well. So I'm I'm sure they'd get on. Yeah. <laughs> you you mentioned yeah, it's funny because I look at your sorry yeah. No, I'm saying I was looking at your Instagram sometimes on your stories and it's so lovely to see your boys like older, you mm. know what I mean? And I can really see a lot of their um, traits and like, it's funny when I watch, is it Jude that goes in with his um, plate, his snack yeah, plate yeah. into the, yeah. And I, I've said to you a couple of times, I'm like, that is so max like the routine <laughs> of the snack plate and if something drops off it just like walks by he's like oh well like yeah. you can pick that up <laughs> and it's just his whole mannerism is just so max but like just obviously an older version so it's so nice for me to see that mm. you know like a child's older that you know what i mean and i just love yeah. it i love watching your stories you, you mentioned um you're using visuals for Max and that seems to be working, you know, or starting to work. What, yeah. are, what are some of the other things that you use on like a daily basis or do on a daily basis to try and help, help Max have the best day? So I know instantly the minute Max wakes up, <laughs> I don't know if you're the same, but like mm. within the first five minutes, I'm like, I know what kind of mood he's going to be in. I'm like, Oh God, today's that day. Today's yeah. that day. <laughs> Like sometimes he'll mm. literally open my bedroom door and he just comes in and he's like a raging bull and he's just like, ah, like shouting it. Cause obviously he doesn't have any language. So his way of being like, I'm really angry is just to vocally be like angry. And I'm like, oh God, today's the day. So if we're having a day like that, like I try and do the opposite with him. So I try and really like take away, like, so in the morning like that, if he comes in angry, he doesn't get his iPad. It's too stimulating for him. And then okay. it'll cause him to be even more angry. Um, I don't know if your boys are the same, but like any sort of like stimulation when he is in an angry mood like that is just a no. So, you know, I put on my Alexa, put on his Disney songs, try and sing to him. Every day is a different day. We've got all these different strategies for different moods of Max. Um, but his visual cards are like, that has been our key thing. Like every single day, like now is like visual cards along with objects um so the visual and the object at the same time um i'm trying to think what we do like strategy wise i mean we've got like a pretty much strict routine of doing the same thing every day you know what i mean so it's like nothing really changes um i'm trying to think what else i kind of do that 
it, it depends on his mood. I mean, you'll find the same. It depends on Max's mood. And if he's at his nursery every single day, he comes home, he's exhausted, and he does just want to have his snack plate, sit and chill on the sofa, get his iPad, and just, like, shut off. He's done too much people in, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. And then... So that's fine. It's hard to it's hard to um be that mum sometimes, you know, when they come home from nursery or school, you want to cuddle them, you want to kiss them, you want to be like, I've missed you so much today. Let's go and do X, <laughs> Y, and Z. And they're like, No, leave me alone. I've done yeah. all the people and I want to do, I want to sit on the sofa and I want you to stay away from me. And that's quite difficult for a mum or a dad to accept that your child's been away from you all day and then they don't want anything to do with you when they come home. Yeah. <laughs> That's a very, very common thing that happens. It's probably been a, it happens a lot with Jude now, Tommy a bit less, but I think you described it really well. Yeah, it's like, it's too much, too many people today. I've done, I've put myself yeah. through all that and I've had a good time and now I just need my space to, to just relax. Yeah. Yeah. Lily's very much like that as well. When she comes mm. in from school, and I'm that mum, I'm that annoying mum that's like, <laughs> how was school today? What did you have for, like, I want to know it all. So I'm like, what did you, what subjects did you have? Like, have you got homework? Have you done this? Have you done that? Like, where did you go for lunch? What did you have for your lunch? Where did you go for a break? And she's just like, she looks at me and she's like, mum, I just want to go up to the shower, have a shower and be in my room in a dark room and just like chill for like sometime. I'll speak to you after like dinner's ready. Like, leave me alone for a while and I'm like and that's been a really difficult thing to mm. accept and because obviously Lily talks as well like she can communicate her needs and her wants and her and to tell me how she feels mm. and when we were at one of our cams appointments like her um psychologist is so funny and he's like he we, me and Lily were both sitting there and you know it's like I can I can't like obviously understand Max to only a certain level but with Lily She's like, she vocally tells me, mum, I don't want to speak to you. I've had a lot of like corridors, busyness, like all these people, all these classes, like leave me alone. Like I just want to come in, go to the shower and I want to go upstairs to my room. I just don't want to talk to you. And then I get really emotional because I'm so emotionally attached to my kids. So then I'm in this calms meeting with her um, psychologist and I'm crying, being like, I just want to hug her when she comes in from school and I just want to like know how her day was and she doesn't, and he takes her side. And he's always like, you do know that that's a you problem, Steph. Yeah. And I'm like, what? And then he's like, yeah, that's a you problem. Lily's expressing her needs to you. She's telling mm. you what she doesn't want you to do and you're being the problem. Like, <laughs> you're being the needy one you're being the mum that's like I want to touch you I want to kiss you I want to know how your day's been and that's not what your child needs and you need to accept that and honestly the amount of times we've been in calms and I've had to get in trouble because I'm not like acknowledging like her feelings mm. like of how she feels and sometimes it's good because she can actually pick up on Max and say mum like you didn't want that like you're you're too much being in his face or you're this or you're that. she's very in tune with him like which is good as well for me because i'm like she probably understands him a lot as well mm. yeah that, that's really interesting i it sounds like you know some of the things you've described max there how he comes home from nursery it sounds like lily's doing the same but because she's able to tell you so in a way i guess you can look yeah. at that and go okay that's probably what max would be telling me if <laughs> if he was able to he'd probably yeah. be saying those same yeah. things so I guess it's helped you understand yeah. that, you know, that, that scenario for him a bit more. 
it can be a bit lonely i'm sure you understand yeah. that as well james yeah. like you know for me i've got two children and lily's a teenager and she's very much anti-social anyway you know she really does mm. struggle with communication and stuff like that so she's she likes to do her own thing and then i've got max who is really hard to engage with max you know he he only engages when he wants to and you know and then there's me and obviously i'm just in the house on my own and i've got adhd so i'm like miss chatterbox wanting to socialize constantly <laughs> wanting to speak wanting to like no one wants to speak to me and i'm just like you know it's it's quite difficult because being a parent to children with additional needs it's such a lonely time you know mm. it really is so lonely and i mean last year i remember crying like i did a lot of crying last year i did a lot of crying and i remember thinking in my head um like who is ever gonna want to date or be around my life like my life mm. is it's hard it's difficult do you know what i mean and like if it's gonna drive your marriage apart then how could even possibly someone then come into that and accept it and understand yeah. it and you know i'm still understanding it myself so how is someone else gonna understand and mm. accept my children you know what i mean so it's kind of like i went through this whole like really lonely like stage last year where i just felt so alone it was just and i mean obviously then i have my tiktok so that's where i kind of like had my release and my support and my support network from people and everything but it was such a lonely time you know that that's the bit that i miss sometimes with the connection with the kids you know like especially max like where i see other parents with four-year-olds that are you know sitting at night time reading their kids a story in bed and like asking questions about the story and saying, well, where's the such and such? And what do you think about that? And what do you think happens next? And, you know, and I would love to be that mum. I would love to be the the mum because I've got the patience for it, you know, and I've got yeah. the the want. And when I'm around people's children that, like my friends' kids, I'm always that, like, I'm, I just love kids. So I'm always around, you know, speaking to them. And, and then it makes me realise what I don't have in my children mm. do you know what i mean that i don't have that communication that i can have that and then i get sad and then you know it, it it's one of these things it's such a lonely journey it's such a lonely journey especially even for parents that you know are together when you're in a relationship it's very lonely because you're you're trying to split your time with your kids and you know yourself and understand it at the same time and but then when you're single it's a whole different thing because then at nighttime once the kids are in bed you're just lying there and you're just like what is life what's happened today that meltdown was horrendous oh my god and then you've got no one to talk to or no outlet yeah. about it do you know what i mean or just to be like oh i need five minutes to just take that in you know what i mean it's just it's difficult yeah i, I think i mean i'm imagining you, you said there that, that tiktok was a bit of an outlet for you and i guess it's not the same obviously as having someone sitting next to you and bit or being surrounded by people but I guess that that has helped and I know for me it's helped you know having Instagram Facebook etc of of comments and messages and and just interacting with people and getting to know other parents in similar situations that does help but you yeah there's no substitute for having uh you know physical interactions with you know conversations with people face to face and and being around others and and yeah there, there's times for me definitely that 
you don't get to do all the social occasions that you that you thought you'd do or or that you see your friends doing with their kids and yeah there's, there's some days where I've had very little conversation you know summer holidays are coming up there'll be days where you know I don't talk to another adult <laughs> really or have you know have much of a conversation and it 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 can get a bit bit lonely especially when you know I'm I'm with Tommy and Jude and they can't really have any conversation back either but but I, yeah. I think, you know, you mentioned your your TikTok there, and I think that that obviously that's how I first got to interact with you. I found your your packed lunch videos of that you were making for Max, which were which were really cool, and they and it's allowed you to to talk a little bit about some of your life experiences. And one of the other things that I think is is really important and is a is a great example is we spoke before we come on about how difficult it can be to to work around our kids when you know they've got so many appointments and so many things go wrong and there's interruptions and so having a typical nine to five job can be very difficult um typically i see from from families i talk to if parents are together the mum usually ends up not being able to work because of it or you know obviously in in our situations as single parents you you kind of have no choice you have to you have to find a way to work and it's it's been amazing that you've been able to turn create a new career for yourself and you know social media has given yeah. you that and it's great that it has let you work it around the kids which which is, is really important so to tell everyone a bit about that and how that's gone that journey's happened in the last year or so honestly it was the biggest whirlwind ever because I used to just come on alive like I used to obviously make TikTok videos about me and Max and like obviously then I went through like this whole like breakup with um Max's dad and a few of that videos kind of went a bit viral and you know it was a really horrific breakup and I was really distressed and then I think a lot of the people around me seen that I was just having such a tough time and I used to go on live at like three in the morning and just chat to like I used to have like 20 people in my live and just chat to like mums that were up at the exact same time that had kids with autism that just did not sleep and we would all be just sat there with like coffees and like in our dressing gowns being like what is life like this yeah. is bloody tough and then more people would be like oh Steph what, what 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 how do you curl your hair or what are you wearing or what lipstick are you wearing or you know like and then it just so happened that it just happened it was so weird I've never wanted it I've never I never had social media do you know what I mean mm. I never done like I just had a private Facebook private Instagram I've never wanted to be a social media influencer I've never wanted or even still to today like I'm awake go down this thing in Glasgow and I'm still just thinking I've never wanted it and I think that's what is probably quite good in how I just if it comes it comes if it doesn't it doesn't like I'm just so flimsy about it but with the social media side of things it purely started off as you know an outlet for me it was a support network I had mums that were rooting for me and I honestly didn't feel like I could root for myself at that point I was at my lowest I was on antidepressants I was going through a divorce I was just a shell of myself I didn't know who I was and this community of women literally lifted me up and I mean I felt like they literally was just like get up get up Steph like you can do this you're not on your own we're here and like every day I would show up and they would all be like 
cheering me on. And then it just grew and grew and grew and grew. And then the more I showed Max, I was like, I felt like I was alone and like that, you know, Max's traits and stuff. And I'd be out in a supermarket and Max would be stimming. And I'd be like, why have I never seen a child do this before? Like, mm. why have I never seen a child on social media stimming or vocally stimming? Or why is that not normalized? So I would start sharing more videos about Max and stuff and wanting and people say, you know, like you get this whole like, oh, you're um, exploiting your children. No, I'm not exploiting Max. What I'm trying to do is normalize his behaviors. Yeah. I want people in the supermarket to look at my boy and be like, oh, he's got autism and he's stimming. And it's yeah. not a thing. You know, what I mean, it's mm. not a, oh, my God, what is that child doing? Head banging his head off the trolley. Like, I want people to be educated. And the only way to educate someone is to show them what it's like to show them the realness, to show them what it is like to live with a child with autism. So I started posting videos about that. And then I remember the first ever time someone asked me to do an ad, I think I had like 50,000 followers. I was just getting on with my normal day, working in the hairdresser. And then, you know, that brand, Cowengate, yeah, like yeah. for milk. Mm. And they do like campaigns and stuff and they contacted me and they emailed me saying oh we would love to you to do um a video for us um how much would your fee be <laughs> and i wrote back i wrote back being like 50 pounds <laughs> and they were like have you got a management and i was like no and they were like oh so the woman luckily the woman worked for Gleam, um, which is the same um, management as Mrs. Hinch. And she emailed me separately and said, Steph, you have no clue. And I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> so she drafted up a wee email for me and sent it over to back to herself and was like, this is what you need to be saying. And I was like, OK. And then it, and then once I done one, it was like then just everybody started saying, oh, can you do this? Can you do that? And I was like, well oh my God, I didn't realize you could earn money off of social media. And then before I knew it, I was like, do you know what? This is really successful. And then I thought, then I started getting like a drive in me. Like, and I thought, I don't know what my son's future is. And people always ask me, you know, about social media and I'm very transparent about it. So transparent about it that it's maybe a little bit brutally honest, but I want to secure as a single parent I want to secure, I don't want to ever rely on anyone for the rest of my life. And I want to be able to financially be in a situation where I am secure for Max and Lily. And if they want to stay with me for the rest of their bloody life, then they will, you know what I mean? And if I have to be, you know, whatever they need in life, I need to be able to like support them. And I don't want to be working in the hairdresser anymore because I need to be there for Max and I need to be there for Lily and I just want to be the best mum. So to be the best mum, I'm completely and utterly driven by my social media career. Like mm. I want to be successful at that to provide for them, not to be successful. It's such a weird thing. Yeah. Um, it's not to be successful. It's to be able to have that relief of it's one thing less to worry about as a single parent. Yeah, I, I and it's completely amazing. That. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. It's been you know fantastic to watch the last you know year or so, and the, especially the last few months of of all the things that you're able to do. And and yeah, I can imagine that is it. You've got that drive because you you want to you know not have to rely on anyone else, and you've got two kids to provide for, and you know that's exactly what social media is. if you're going to have a social media career that that's you know that's what it should be for so 
And alongside yeah. that, not only is it just about a career, obviously you're, as you mentioned, you're raising autism awareness, you're making, trying to normalize things, you know, you're, you're helping support other families. And one thing that's, that's come off the back of that is uh, the sort of battle for better education at schools for, for autistic and uh, special educational needs. And tell us about that because that's, I went down to the event in London uh, a month or so ago. Yeah. And met some of the amazing organizers who I know you've, you've been close with. Um, and that went really yeah. well at, at Parliament. And I know you was doing the, the same in Scotland at the same time. So tell everyone a bit about that and, and what the plans are and, and what you're hoping to achieve. Yeah, well, we've got, it's been one of these things, like I never realized that organizing protests was so hard work. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. It is a lot. Um, all the legislations and as we know, like I am ADHD, so organization skills are not my best. Mm. And so the group at Scotland, so I've now been obviously in this group with these girls, these women. Now these women in the Scottish ASN reform group are I've never met fierce. I think ASN parents are a whole different breed of mums and dads. Like the protectiveness, the fight, the determination mm. is just a different kind of level because we have to. We have to for yeah. everything. We have to fight for absolutely everything. And one of the things that, I mean, going back about a year and a half ago when I was trying to get Max into his ASN nursery, that was a big thing on my TikTok. I was like, I'm trying to get him. I knew he he was in a... um private nursery and it wasn't working out it was not mm. working out I could not work he was getting I was getting called constantly to come and pick him up he wasn't settling they didn't really know what how to like cater for his needs and he needed to be in a specialist provision and when that kicked off a year ago it's kind of almost snowballed and I've always thought like that as well that you know like in Scotland it's really really difficult there's such a low lack of support for children Mm. um so the scottish girls like what we're doing just now is we've had our protests in, Gla in edinburgh we're doing one in glasgow we're doing one in um east lothian we're doing one in aberdeen like we've got all these protests that we're organizing over the next couple of months and we just need to continuously fight every single part politician i mean honestly the fight that goes on behind the scenes of these protests, the emails back and forth to people, like it's just absolutely incredible. Some of these mums are putting in night and day the work and looking after their um, disabled children. Like it is absolutely phenomenal. But what the end goal for us up in Scotland, because it's very different Scotland and England, yeah. you know, with like um, EHCP and um, our child's plans and you know all the laws are different um, but for Scotland we have got a really exciting um, meeting with a very exciting um, person next week and we're hoping that that goes really really well and we think we are we've also been invited into um, Holyrood into Parliament to us right. all as mums to discuss with the education um, secretary by some of the politicians. So we've got so much going on. It's absolutely one of the most powerful things that's ever happened. And, you know, I, it's something that I'm really passionate about, but it's one of these things as well as that it has never been highlighted. And unless you have parents out there that are screaming from the top of their lungs, you know, or putting it on social media, or you've got celebrities covering it, or you, then no one really cares. 
you yeah. know what I mean? Unless it's affecting you, no mm. one's really kind of like fighting for that. Um, so, you know, even support for children that are in mainstream that can cope in mainstream but are not getting the correct support within the classrooms. You know, it's not just about having more ASN schools in Scotland. It's about putting more teachers on training courses, you know, and, and helping everything and every aspect of every child that's got a, a delay in any, like, development or they, they're struggling, you know, more bases in schools that got like if hopefully our our goal is to have there should be uh like an asn base in every single school every mm-hmm. school every school should have an asn base attached to them that they've got a place for our children to be nurtured you know time out of, of the classroom if they need it and you know that's one of our goals as well for the children that are in mainstream that are coping in mainstream but they do still have a lack of provisions within mainstream as well yeah it's such a i mean it's such a big problem and such a big challenge when i was at when i was at the event in london i you know spoke to loads of parents and it's a you know, it's, it's a problem that's across the UK. It's it's not just England, Scotland. It's Ireland, Wales. It's there's a lack of oh. there's a lack of places for in special education schools. There's not the right support in mainstream for for our kids. And there's so many. It was heartbreaking. There's so many parents there whose kid just doesn't have a place at school. And that's something. Again, it's something yeah. that you just expect. You expect that. When your kid gets to the right age, they will go to school. They'll go to the the local school that has the, you know, hopefully you choose the one with the best reports and the best, you know, possibilities for them. And it's that simple. But it's for so many parents like us, it's not. And we're I'm lucky that Tommy and Jude have always had a, a place at school. But I know their school is massively oversubscribed because parents message me and tell me and and you know they're they're waiting a year, two years to try and get in. And it's just just isn't good enough. Is mm-hmm. it? it needs to change. No, it's not good enough. There there needs to be a massive change, a massive mm-hmm. reform. Well, hopefully that's this is the start. Uh, hopefully, one thing, yeah. What I want to go back to um, something else I've seen you talk about on on TikTok lately is and we sort of touched on it at the beginning is is the co-parenting relationship that you have with with max's dad and what that i know recently he was away for like eight or nine days i think um which you said was the longest you, you've ever been apart which which must be incredibly difficult um mm-hmm. and we all know also that autistic kids generally like routine and and security and comfortability and going back and forth between two households isn't always the, the easiest thing in in the world, but it seems like you've, you know, you're making it work and Max is happy. And, you know, I've, I've been in the same situation, Tommy and Jude going back between two households and, and finding a way to make it work. Can you talk a little bit about that and, and why you think it's going well and, and I guess the journey you've been on through that? I think with co-parenting, especially with like, you know, Max, like Max was a very, and I always say this, he was a planned baby. Like he was very much Mm. wanted by both parents. So, you know, we then went through this absolute horrific tragedy of nearly losing him. So his dad feels that exact same like emotions towards him as I do, you know, very protective. Absolutely. He's a really great dad. Um, And, you know, 
how I go about it is, you know, it was very difficult at the start. I'm not going to lie. It was absolutely so difficult because Max was still not good. He was used to just being in one home. So yeah. for the full, I would say the first year, it was really difficult because when he was then going away with his dad, he was then crying, not wanting to go, gripping on to me. Now that was a horrific, that was yeah. really a horrific time because he was confused. He didn't know what was going on. You know, mm. he didn't want to go with his dad sometimes and, you know, once he was with his dad, he was absolutely fine. But the transition from me to go with his dad was just terrific. And then I would sit crying and just, oh, I just absolutely hated it. You know, but then we've kind of got to this point now with Max where we know him and we know he's kind of a year on, accepted and knows dad's house, mum's house, dad's mm. house, mum's house. When he sees dad come into the door, he knows that's my time with dad now. So he off he, he off he trots, you know. Now, sometimes he's never been away for nine days. So, he, he, you know, who am I to say? And this is the thing I always try and be really respectful of Max's dad. You know, going abroad, we're working on things. You know, we're, it's baby steps for co-parenting. Mm. And, you know, like, he would love nothing more to take Max abroad and, you know, stuff like that. But with me as a mum, it's, it's got to be worked upon, you know. Yeah. I, I have Max more than, than he does. You know, he's away working for a month at a time. So when he does get come back, it's time to, like, you know, rebuild that relationship with him again. And, you know, taking him abroad is kind of one of these things. I'm like, hmm, like, um, but again, I've got to let that go because Max would have an absolute whale of a time with his dad abroad. You know what mm. I mean? Is He would have a whale of a time going away somewhere with his family. Like, I've got to take my selfish needs and wants uh, away and do what's best for max and that is what i've always focused on the past year is do what's best for max so when his parents were flying over because they're from austria they were they were um over to see max it was like a seven day holiday for them but either side of that days it was like right we're gonna have to travel down there and travel back so it's mm. gonna be all in all nine days stuff and initially I made such a like a upset I was so upset about it and I was like you know I'm not going to cope with this Peter and he's like yeah but it's not about you you know yeah. it's a, it's about Max and Max is going to have a whale of a time we're going to be in the sea every day where we've got this stuff planned that like, he's going to love it and then so I agreed to it and he went and he had a great time now every time Max is on FaceTime he doesn't really take anybody on he's just like whatever I'm not speaking to anybody like he doesn't even look at the camera but when when I was coming on FaceTime when he was away and he was coming up, like, smiling at the camera as if to be like, there's my mummy. And I was just like, he's missing me. Like, it was his way of being like, I'm missing yeah. you. And he was, like, smiling at the camera. And I was just like, oh, my God, I miss him so much. But we've got to that point, you know, the first year was really difficult. There was a lot of trauma. There was a lot of, like, upset. You know, when you go through a breakup, there's so much. Well, I had a lot of anger, a lot of anger towards him. And now it's all just gone. Like it's it's taken us a good eighteen months to get to that point, you know, where it's just it's the anger's gone, um, and it's it's all about Max, and he's very much exactly the same, you know. We both everything is about what is important to Max and what is going to benefit him, um. But it's taken a long time to get to that stage, you know. It's it's it's, it's not easy, and the transition from you know we've worked out that two days at home. I mean, the nine days was 
an exception because it was a holiday, but we do yeah. two days in two days. So he's two days at his dad's. So he's coming to come home this afternoon at 12 o'clock. So, you know, it's like he'll do two days there and that's enough for him. And then he'll come home for two days and then he'll go back for two days. When it's a bit longer, he then gets into like what I can only describe as me and Peter parent we're the same with his routines but we're very different like I'm soft as anything Max just needs to say like well he doesn't say anything but like he just if he wants something I'm like always I'm the softy and his dad is very much like no Max you're not doing that and he listens to him so by the time that he comes home to me he's very much like he'll play up a little bit the first day Mm. so any longer than two days I'm like no 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 like where it, it, it works out good two days it's like he just has enough time to like not change his routine too much and then he's back to me and then it's so he knows two days and two days now so you know apart from a holiday it's fine but two days and two days is it kind of works for us you know and if anything if there is something on like with my work like when he's at home for that month I try and work as much as I can if I've got events or I've got anything on I go and fly away and do that. Like if it's three days, he'll be like, right, I'll keep him for an extra day. It's not a bother. You know, like everything is worked around Max and stuff like that. And it's all, you know, we're very much amicable. Everything's just, you know, everything's so easy. And I wish it, I wish it was like that a year ago, but I understand that, you know, not every co-parent and relationship goes as easy as that. You know what I mean? At the start, but we're, we're in a really, really good place just now. Everything's really good. There's no like animosity there's no arguments there's no stress it's just it, it's really really good and I think it's good for your child when you get to that point yeah yeah I, I've you know like you said when relationships break down there's going to be it's hard to separate the emotions from that and you know autism or not be be a parent and and do what what's right for the kids but as you said it sounds like you've you know you've got to that place relatively quickly i think the the important thing to take from that is everyone's co-parenting is different and you know you've got a setup that's working for for the three of you for you know how often you're you're swapping over what what fits in with work and what's good for max and for some parents that might be you know 50 50 every other weekend you know there's I think our kids show us that there's, there's no normal, right? It's it's doing what's what's best for for them and, and what's best for everybody. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So before we we go, Steph, um, you've mentioned your TikTok, which is amazing. Uh, where are the best place for people to find you? So I do. I've started doing Instagram. So just recently, in the past maybe like four weeks, I've been doing. Q and A's on my Instagram, and I actually mm. love it. Like, I love the interaction on that, like Q and A. So you can get me on Instagram, um, and I do Q and A's in there. But I don't really post much on my, my like photos. I'm just not into that side of things. But my TikTok, um, so you can follow me on my TikTok, and it's just my username, um, is Stephanie Vavron, and that's where I usually am. I do quite a lot of lives and a lot of chats in there. Yeah. And what about uh, the ASN reform for Scotland? Where, where best do people find out information about so that? ASN. Yeah, so ASN we've got reform. an Instagram page, we've got a Facebook page. Mm. It's just ASN Reform Scotland. And then you can get that on um, TikTok as well. And you can also get it on Twitter. Perfect. Excellent. And last question before we go. Uh, 
What's one thing you'd like yeah. the world to know about autism? One thing that I would love, like everybody to know, is that it's the most beautiful thing I've ever experienced in my life. You know, autism is always looked upon. You know, you first get your diagnosis and you are upset, and then it blooms into seeing this world from a whole different point of view in a whole different perspective and you know it's hard but it's beautiful at the same time you know what I mean like I actually think sometimes my life before autism was very black and white and now mm. I always say it's very much rainbow colored now like I see the colours of the trees and the way that they're blowing in the wind, how Max likes to stand and watch the trees blowing and the motions. And I see things so differently. And I'm only seeing that through my son's eyes. Do you know what I mean? And how he's seeing the world. And, you know, autism is, it's a hard thing at the start, but it's one of the most beautiful things that I've ever experienced in my life as well, because it's a simple world. You know what I mean? Like, Max's world is very simple. It's very, he sees everything and all the beautiful things in the world. And that's what I think people need to realise that autism is one of the most amazing outlooks to have on life. It's very difficult. There are very, a lot of challenges, but the beautiful side to it is there is a, a very, very beautiful, simple side to things that makes me see things so differently and appreciate things a lot more. Yeah, I think that's beautifully put. I think the same boys have definitely shown me a, a different way of looking at the world and it, it does make a huge difference. Steph, thank you so much. It's been lovely getting to know you, getting to know more about your story and your family. I love watching your, your TikToks. I think it's brilliant, all the stuff that you're doing. Uh, I can see the real closeness and uh, community you're creating with with mums on there and and how you all support each other and I think you should be very proud of everything that you, you've done so thanks for for sharing your story no problem at all anytime quick one before you go I really hope you enjoyed this week's episode if you did subscribe to the podcast which will make sure you don't miss any future episodes but will also help other people find the podcast too in the show notes, you'll find links for the best places to find this week's guest and where you can connect with me. I'd love to hear what you thought of the episode, so tag me or DM me in all the usual places. Hope you enjoyed this week's story about autism.